welcome home. I, I like, I just like saying that. Welcome home. Uh, you know, when you, there's nothing, there's no place like home. And I hope that you find Voice of Praise to be just like home to you. And if you're here for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, we would like you to fill out a Connect card. We'd like to get to know you just a little bit better. And we also have a free gift for you as well. And uh, just for filling out that card. I want you to go to your uh, in your Bibles to a couple verses of Scripture. The first verse of Scripture is Psalms 90. In Psalms 90, we find that the Lord there is bringing... Uh, uh, or, uh, David, excuse me, is asking the Lord for instruction. And the request that David makes of the Lord is teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you realize every day is valuable? Every day is valuable. You know what's so valuable? You know, uh, Sarah's dad talks very often about one of her uncles that was, uh, he, um, he developed a lot of land and different things like that. He was a carpenter, a house builder. And, uh, her dad, uh, every once in a while, he'll mention, uh, Uncle Bascom and he'll say, he'll say, now Bascom says they don't make that land anymore. He said, he always said that, you know, you need to buy land when you can get it because they don't make land anymore. You know what? They don't make Today anymore. Today is the only chance that you will have at today. Wow. Because tomorrow it will be gone. Yesterday it hadn't got here yet. So today's the only chance that you will have it today. So the psalmist David says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now let's go over to see what Paul had to say. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? That's a, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a ridiculous question. We sort of know that. You know, there's only one person that gets first place. It used to be Dale Earnhardt all the time, you know, and now it's Kyle Busch. No, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't follow racing that quick, that tightly anymore. But only, all, everybody runs in a row, but only one person is going to win. We know that. But, but he admonishes, uh, the church at Corinth to run in such a way to get the prize. Run it like you're going to win. Whether you finish first or not, it's what Paul's saying. And now, in that, there's a whole lot to be said, and, and and I may touch back on that in just a few moments. But what I want to preach to you uh, for in the next few minutes is with the thought in mind of living out your dash. Now, when I was in school, I don't know if they still do this stuff or not, but when I was in school, and some of the rest of y'all can relate to this, uh, we used to have to do uh, certain gymnastic things, I think it was every spring and then every fall. Again, when you went back to school, you had to do some physical fitness stuff, and they recorded it on a big old chart and all like that. And you had a couple of things you had to do was you had to do pull-ups and push-ups, and then you had to run the 50-yard dash and I did pretty good I you know I was I, you know I thought I was chubby then boy I'm really chubby now you know a little, but but I was the same height in the fifth grade that I am right now okay you know so but you had to run the 50 yard dash but the one I really struggled with was the 600 yard dash why did they call it a dash I'll never know 
Because after dashing about halfway around the track, I was dashed out. Sometimes I found myself just walking and, and the gym coach would be over there. Hey, Taylor, pick it up a little bit. We, man, we got to go. Class is almost over. You know, I usually was last or next to last in my gym class in the 600-yard dash. You know, a dash is a journey, if you would. And each and every one of us in this room today, we're on a journey. We're on a journey, and whether you want to call it a dash or not, that's what we're going to call it this morning. We're on a journey. We're on the dash. Uh, when you go over and go through, uh, it's sort of morbid to think about this, I guess, in some ways. But when you go over to the cemetery and you uh, walk around, and I know this time of year a lot of church cemeteries are doing decoration days, and um, you know, and uh, maybe you've gone to during Mother's Day or Father's Day to visit some of your family, but you'll notice on the grave markers of most most, most grave markers, at least, you will notice a date that will say the date of birth. On my dad's, it has August thirty first. 1930. And then, and then there will be a date of death. And on my dad's, it's got January 31st, 2021. But in between those two dates, there's this little bitty mark. And that little mark is called a dash. And within that little mark, within that little mark, it speaks of everything of life. It speaks of everything in life. Really more important than the date of the beginning and the date of the perceived end is the dash. We have no choice in the matter. We we all entered in this race when we were born. Uh, we didn't get to choose that the date appeared and we really have uh, little say about the date that it ends. Only God knows when that time will be, but we do have a lot of choices in between. A lot of choices in between. You see, it's called the span of life. No matter how long we live, life is short. I had somebody tell me the other day of a loved one that lived to be 106 years old. Let me tell you, I promise you, 106 years old in some ways probably seem very short. We've all had those circumstances where we've seen uh, uh, infant children pass away and, and people have lost children through uh, uh, physical defects or maybe even tragic accidents at really young, very young ages. And, and, and of course we look at that life and say that life is very short, but the reality of it is life is short any way we look at it. And life can only be lived one time. So everything we do between that beginning date and that ending date, everything that is in the dash is also important to us. I think about that old song uh, here lately. I don't know why in the past several weeks. I've thought about that old song. Uh, I think it may be an Albert Brumley song that says, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm here on temporary circumstance. I'm here on temporary circumstance, but I'm here on a permanent assignment while I'm in this circumstance. And that assignment is is to live out my life for Jesus. And he has that same assignment for you. 
So while we're going through the dash, and, and, and I'm getting far ahead of myself this morning, but since I live out my dash, the most important thing that I have to do in my dash is to live my life for Jesus. And how do we do that? We live our life one day at a time. I heard an old preacher on, on radio, I think he's passed away now, but I, I used to listen to him quite often every Saturday afternoon, and he was out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, in that, and he would do a talk segment or a call-in segment on his radio show. And as old brother Chambers was doing this talk segment on his radio show, and he was old time holiness preacher, okay? He he was church of God. And and and, and as people would call in, and, and he he was very he was a very strict man, and and he he was a very straight shooter. And I, I remember on one radio show, I'll never will forget it. It's probably the most memorable of all his radio broadcasts. He had this young man calling him in and begin to question him about uh, a sin existing in the life of a Christian. An ongoing sin happening. Can a Christian be a Christian and be practicing sin? And I remember Brother Chambers asking that young man, he said, well, young man, he said, why do you feel like you need to continue to go on practicing sin in your life? And, and that young man goes into explaining to him why. And, and the young man began to begin, he got irate with him actually. He got mad. And Brother Chambers said, young man, he said, I'm not going to argue with you, but I want to ask you one question. He said, can you live the next minute of your life without sinning? He said, I think I probably could do that. He said, can you live the next second without sinning? He said, yeah, I can probably do that. He said, well, why don't you just live your life one second and one minute at a time because minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days, and days turn into months, and months turn into years. So God has called us, and, and certainly we all have our battles, and we all have, but no matter what we do in our life, if we will just live our lives one day at a time, and we will live our lives one minute at a time, even one second if we get it down to it, and live our lives for Jesus, we will find that we can live victoriously in Him because He will equip us to do the dash. Okay? This morning in life groups, I thought, Alicia, she does it every Sunday. She was about to get over on, on my message a little bit this morning, talking about how we go through life and, 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 and different things, different appointments, such as fatherhood in life. But we find ourselves sometimes that life can be filled with miseries, it can be filled with regrets. And even for the Christian, the scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We all have our, there, and can anybody identify with rain right now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, we have two, we have two young ladies in the room this morning that went to youth camp this week. And believe me, I was down at youth camp one day. And believe me, at youth camp, I know they identified with rain because they, a lot of things didn't happen outdoors because they were confined. But it seemed like they were having a great time. And I, and, and I've seen some testimonies of some great times. But listen, we can identify. Some days it rain. We just went, we've just been in this rainy season. It's been cold and it's been damp and it's dreary. And I don't know if any of y'all follow my social media page, but over here Thursday night, I, I was here at the church and I, I was here a bit late and I was going home just right before dark 
And when I got over on, uh, I got over on 460 and I was headed out towards John Nash and I looked over my left shoulder and I saw this big blue patch in the sky and this big bright object was shining through that blue patch. And all of a sudden I realized it had been raining, it had been cloudy, it had been foggy and it had been dreary for five or six days, but the sun was still shining. So whatever's going on in your life, however rainy, however dreary it is, whatever is going on in your dash right now, believe me, trust me, I'm not the perfect person, I'm not always right, but in this case, I'm asking you to trust me that even if it's storming in your life right now, somewhere above that storm, there is a bright sun shining, and it's not the S-U-N we're looking for, it's the S-O-N, and He is shining, and He is there in the midst of what looks like your cloudiest of days. And if we're not careful, we can become angry and we can become discouraged and we can become depressed. But we have to be like the, the prophet or the, the psalmist and we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we have to realize there is a far bigger picture than where we're at right now. There is a far better land and there is a far bigger picture than Mercer County and Bluewell and Montcalm or wherever you may be from Princeton. And we have to realize that we don't live for tomorrow, but we live for today. And I mentioned the life group class, our life group gathering this morning, the one Sarah and I sat in. Which, by the way, if you've never been to life groups, you're to come at 945. We'll give you a Pop-Tart, you know, or something like that. Cup of coffee. And, and, you know, we have a lot of laughs, and I think we learn a lot from one another. But as, as we were in there talking this morning, and, and, and we're, we're talking about the troubles and the, the problems of life sometimes that we experience. And, but the fact of the matter is, the only day that we have is today. The only time that we have, I can't fix tomorrow. Yesterday's already passed, and what I've messed, all the stuff I goofed up yesterday, I, it's, it's hard for me to go back and fix it. I can't go. In fact, if we could go back and fix everything in our life, what we were talking about, we really wouldn't need Jesus. It, it, and I was, I thought, and I was taught, and, and Lord, I didn't plan on saying this this morning, but I want to share this because I feel like I need to. But, but I, I always thought, well, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, as a kid, I wasn't, I didn't cut my teeth on the back of the pews, okay? I went, every once in a while we may have went, and it was to <clears throat> very, um, what we would, we would call, uh, uh, very, uh, very much ecclesiastical, not ecclesiastical, but Episcopal type churches and uh, Catholic type churches, churches of Christ, and, and where they didn't have any music and all like that. So I didn't have the, the Pentecostal experience as I grew up. But but here's one thing that, that happens as I, I grew up, the Lord opened the doorway for me. But then I came over into this realm of Pentecostalism and evangelicalism. Evangelicalism that we are in today. I had a mouthful there. My tongue got wrapped around my teeth. But here's the deal. I thought that I had to meet all of the specifications that God expected of me before I could come to Him. I thought, God, I gotta quit my cussing. Okay. I gotta quit my drinking. I gotta quit all the other mean stuff that I do. 
You know, because there's more to do than just cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing, dipping, and chasing women. Okay, there's more. There's more than that. You know, I. You know, there's, there's, there is more than that. I want you to know that. But I thought, Lord, I gotta quit doing all that stuff. I, I, I gotta cease all that stuff. I knew I needed to be saved. I knew the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I knew in this dash that I needed to do something different. I said, God, I gotta fix it all. And after I fix it all, then I'm gonna come to you. I told him that, literally. But you know what? I tried after, after, day after day, week after week, month after month of trying to fix myself, I come to this conclusion, I was unfixable, at least within my own power. And with my own mind, I couldn't fix me. But you know what? If I could fix me, what would I needed Jesus for anyway? Huh? Yeah, see, I love, I, I, I love, I love African American worship. I want you to know I do. I love, I love our African American brothers and sisters as they worship the Lord. And, and I used to have some friends and they had a, they had a, this quartet and, and they were all African American and they sang this song, Fix It Jesus. Fix It Jesus. I, I don't remember the whole song, but that's all I said was Fix It Jesus. And 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 I had to have Jesus to fix me, but it took me a while before I come to my senses enough to realize that. And you see, when when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he says, now is the day of God's favor, now is the time of salvation, he, somehow Paul was con, con, conveying to them, now is the time, Jesus won't fix today. He don't have to fix tomorrow. It ain't got here yet. He, he don't have to fix yesterday. It's passing gone. But he wants to fix it right now. We're on this dash. We're on this journey. And today is the day that he wants to do a work in my life and your life. And, and today's, today we fulfill our part of the dash. So we would just live every day like it's our last. Love your family like it's the last. Love God like it's your last. Love God like today the dash is being fulfilled in every way. Because the reality of it is because once today's gone, you can never regain it. A race. A race means you give it all you have. Even though I was a little fat, chunky boy, but I had a lot of hair back then. And I would walk much of the 600 yard dash. You know what? There, there, even though I, I walked, I was still giving it what I had. I didn't quit. I didn't sit down. I didn't give it up. Uh, you know, but I, I give it all I had, even though I couldn't run. I couldn't even really jog. But, but the reality of it is, I did give it what I had. I was in a race. And the race, I wasn't the fastest. I was usually, as I already told you, I was either usually last or second to last. But I always endeavored and I was always successful to finish the race. A dash means in itself to move quickly off the starting line to the, to the finish line. But it means being consistent. It's a, uh, it means it's a race that is short and you get it in as short as time as possible. But this race that we're in, it's not a race with a goal of competition. It's not a race that I'm competing. I'm not competing with with AK, and and I'm not I'm not competing with Charlie, and and I'm not competing with any of you all. And it's not for me to say well, and it's not for me to compete with another church or another pastor. 
Sometimes we're tempted in those things. And we compare. And, and, and I think the, and I actually call it the sin of comparison. Sometimes the sin of comparison will really set us back. We'll say, well, I can't be as good a Christian as so and so is. Or I can't be this as good as so and so. And, and sometimes we will take on ourselves sort of a, 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 a negative outlook of ourselves. And my wife, she gets on to me sometimes because she say, you need to quit saying that about yourself. But we're in this race, and the goal of the dash is completion. The goal of the dash is completion. Paul emphasized run to win. He said, run like you're going to win. And when he says that, he said, give it all you got. So if you, that, that's all God wants. He just wants us to give him all we have. He just wants us to give him our everything. Now, that's not a lot to ask when you consider that he gave us all of his everything. He gave us Jesus Christ on the cross. He gave us his only one and only begotten son. He turned his back on his own son and the son, and, and, and the earth grew dark and, and, and his son gave up the ghost on the cross. He gave us everything that we possibly need. So how much is it to, for us to give everything that we have to the Lord? And I'm not talking about money. Somebody said the last thing to get saved on a person was their billfold. And I don't know about that. We have a tremendous amount of generosity in this church. But I want to tell you what though. The Lord wants every bit of us. He wants, He wants every bit of who we are and what we are. And when we do that, it doesn't mean that we still don't have time for ourselves or we don't have time for our families. It just means He needs to be at the top of our life. He needs to be at the focal point. He needs to be at the center of everything that's happening in our life. If the Lord tarries, He's coming. If the Lord tarries, He's coming. Every one of us is going to end up with a dash somewhere. We're going to end up with a dash. We're living out our dash right now. And if the Lord tarries, He's coming. It may be that someday somebody will walk by a granite stone and they'll see a date here and a date here. And they'll think about, oh, they'll calculate and say, you know, like, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll figure things out. How old we were. But you know, the reality of it is what's important is what's in that dash. What's in that dash. Because even though it's nothing written out and there's nothing inscribed in that stone, the dash contains everything about the life of the person. So when your dash or my dash is looked upon, what will it mean to them? What will we leave behind? For our family, we'll be, we'll be leave behind it. And again, I, I hate, I'm sorry I keep reiterating our life group, but we're talking about what happens when mamas and daddies go to church and take their kids to church. We're talking about the impact that you make on other people's lives and, uh, and myself and you. And, and a lot of times I, you know, I'll get phone calls and now people say, Hey, hey, preacher, so and so, so and so, uh, you know, needs this or that or that and other. And, and I don't, I don't trust me. I don't mind getting those phone calls. I'm not saying that at all. But, but what I love is when somebody calls me up and they'll say, Hey, hey, uh, uh, hey, brother. Oh, uh, Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, uh, Ricky Black has been on my mind. Do you think he's really been on my mind lately? Why don't you go over and pray for him? 
And I want to say, well, brother, if he's really been on your mind, why don't you go over and pray for him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in that dash, let that dash, whatever's in our dash, when it comes down to that time, if the Lord tarries his coming, let me, let, let it be in your dash that, that you are a servant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I obeyed the Lord and I did my, I did my part to walk in his will and walk in his purpose. And I live my life. I live my life fulfilling the purpose and the will of God. That's what's in the dash. You jump out, it's a sprint, and we're running this race. We're running this dash, this race together. But as we run the dash together, we are creating a dash. And that's the story of our lives. There used to be a preacher, some of y'all may remember him. He's been passed away probably for around 15 years or better now. And his name was Jim Hilliard. And he was a conference evangelist for the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And old Jim Hilliard, he, he, he would go, Amen, Amen. I like Jim because he's like me. By half time he had his eyes closed, you know. And my grandkids asked me, they said, Paul, why you close your eyes when you're preaching and singing? I said, I don't know. Blame it on my, my daddy. You know, your grandpa, he did the same thing, you know, except he didn't preach. Uh, but I don't know why I do it. It's just habit. I don't even realize I'm doing it. But Jim closed his eyes and he'd go, Amen and Amen. Jim would always make, quote this old quote. There's only one laugh. Only one life. And it will soon be passed. But only the things done for Christ will last and last. That's our dash. That's our dash. Everything else, you know, no, nothing wrong with securing a good retirement. Nothing wrong with having nice things to leave your kids to fight over after you're gone. No, no, you know, no, nothing wrong with any of that stuff at all. But more important than all the treasures that we could leave behind in this world, because we don't leave them all behind, is what is contained in the dash. What are you doing with your life? For Christ. I've read stories of missionaries. That left this world at very young ages. But they made impact on the world that is still going on today. So it doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're planning on living to a hundred or if you're just trying to get to thirty. That's that's not the point at all. The point at all is what you invest in that dash. And John, if you want to come back, whoever wants to come plays, great. Has has we come back? Has we come down to this point? My question is, how's your dash coming along? Oh, Scott's back there. Scott's the. He is the banker of Blue Well. Everybody knows Scott Brownie. Great guy. Great guy. But Scott's customers, in one sense, are only the people that make a deposit. Even if it's on the other side, if it's a loan, your customers are only the ones that makes the payments, right? In this dash that we're on, in this life, this journey that we're traveling, 
What are we depositing into the kingdom of God? I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about paying tithes, okay? It's not a message on giving at all. But what are you depositing in the kingdom of God? What are you investing? You know, now, I don't, I don't be real dated right now. Okay, y'all know I'm dated anyway. How many of y'all remember, and if, if this is too unsanctified for some of y'all, I apologize to you after church. But how many of y'all remember Black Oak, Arkansas? Is that, that's, that's two or three of you in the room, y'all hippies. The old hippies remember Black Oak, Arkansas. And, 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 uh, there was a guy that sung with Black Oak, Arkansas. My sister thought he was gorgeous. His name was Jim Dandy. Okay? Jim Dandy had long blonde, stringy blonde hair and he never wore, and never wore a shirt when he was singing, you know, and all this stuff. You know, he was, it was, uh, Southern rock, I guess. I don't know what you call it. But, but, but they used to sing a song. I remember my sister had it on an eight-track tape. You may know what an eight-track tape is. Some of y'all don't even know what a cassette tape is, do you? You know, you know, y'all don't know the thrill of life. You don't know the thrill of music until you listen to music like that way. But she, on that old eight-track tape, it had a song on it that said, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I think there's deeper message to that song than I, I, don't, I don't even think about physical death when I think about that song. What I do think about is spiritual submission. All of us want to get to heaven. All of us want to go to heaven. That's where all of us want to spend eternity. We want to be there with Jesus, but we don't want to die. Die out to itself. Die out to our own self-wills. Die out to our own self-motive. You see, you see, and all that is contained in the dash. And God is just asking for us to invest in the dash. Invest in the dash. Listen, I want to go back and I want to read what the psalmist said. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, let me have, let me count this day precious. Let me count this day valuable. And Lord, let me have the wisdom how to serve you and love you on this day. That's my dash. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment, please. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. Without any embarrassment, if there's one person in this room that is unsaved, or if you've uh, if you've drifted far away, you've been a prodigal, maybe you've you, you've took your belongings and you left home, but now you're coming back and you're here today and you need to renew your uh, relationship with the Lord, or you're here and you need to get saved, you've never given your heart to the Lord. I would like to help you. I would like to assist you in doing that. And uh, you say, do I have to come up front? No, you don't have to. But I will say this, by making that step out. And and people said, well, I don't find it in the Scriptures. you got to walk up front to the front of a church to be saved. And you're exactly right, you don't. But when you stand up and you step out, you are making an outward. You are making a public admission that I'm making a decision for Christ. And that takes somebody that's brave. That takes somebody that's strong. And even if there's something that there, there that is shamed, when you come to know the Lord, there is no more shame. He, he is not ashamed of you, but He is so proud of you. So today, if you're in this room and you've never known the Lord as your Savior, maybe you've drifted far away and you'd like to renew it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to lift your hand up for me real quick. Anybody in this room?